I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. Now, on the line with us right now, we have uh, General Jack Keane. General Keane, I know a lot of we have a lot of strife going on here on on our in America, but there's still a war going on overseas. Tell us what is the latest with Ukraine. You know, certainly, uh, yes, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of war that's still going on there. The Russians are are focusing all of their efforts now in the eastern part of the Donbass. They've, they've pretty much given up the, the western part because they've, they've tried to take control of it, and they've been unsuccessful. But in the eastern part, they have made some success, and they're focusing on a city there, Cerrito Donetsk is the name of it, and and they've been conducting multiple attacks against it, and so far the Ukrainians are still hanging on to the to, to that city. Um, that's the major effort that that is, has taken place. The Ukrainians, not surprising because they have done this in the past, have begun to push back on Kherson, which is a city and a province, uh, using an American term, the term they use is oblast. Uh, that they control, the Russians control it, and the Ukrainians are now conducting uh, limited counterattacks against that territory and pushing the Russians into a defensive mode, which is keeping and pinning down their forces from helping them uh, further to the east in, in what is now their major offensive campaign. So the U- Ukrainians are demonstrating once again they seize the opportunity and hopefully, if we keep, keep giving them the arms and munitions that they desperately need to include these multiple rocket launchers that they've requested in the United States, I think the latest decision in giving them that, and they have finally made that decision to do that and, and will assist them greatly. The Russian advantage that they have is the use of their artillery. Their maneuver forces, their their armor and infantry forces are weak and, and don't do very well. But their artillery, they have a lot of it, and it outranges the Ukrainians' artillery. And that's why these rocket launchers are, are in desperate need, because they have the range to destroy that artillery, and it'll be very effective. General, I mean, nobody on our side, nobody in the world realized uh, that uh, the Russian soldiers uh, were not— Dedicated. I mean, they sent these people in, they sent these kids in, uh, and never told them they're going to war. I mean, uh, and, and I understand the Russian parliament has voted to lower the age and to accept more, uh, uh, maybe 16 year olds into, uh, the army. What, what do you hear? Well, it, it, it's very true. I mean, you put your finger on one of the major problems that they have, and they didn't prepare their forces, uh, for, for what was taking place. Most of them moved into the area thinking they were, and they, some of them traveled days on trains to get there from the, uh, from the far east of Russia. You know, Russia's multiple time zones, the largest country in the world. And they believed they were going to a training exercise. 
most of the forces, not all of them, but most of them were, were under that impression. And listen, the other thing is that they're poorly led, and, and we've seen this up close now. Um, that The leaders don't know how to motivate and inspire their troops. They don't know how to take care of them. And one of the most horrific things that the, the leaders are doing is leaving their dead on the battlefield. I mean, to do something like that uh, just flies in the face of, of good order and discipline in combat because what, the message you're saying, sending to the soldiers that are still living is that you don't care. You don't even care that enough to be able to get that 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 dead soldier is somebody's loved one, and you want to get that soldier home to their family. And the leaders are, are telling their soldiers they don't really care about any of that. So it's not surprising that there's a weakness in the ranks they don't have the trust of their leaders. They don't trust each other. And, and their maneuver forces just are not performing very well. Wow. General Jack Keane, there is a report in the Daily Mirror. I don't know how reliable it is, but according to that report, a Russian intelligence source tells the Mirror that Vladimir Putin has been given a maximum of three years to live by doctors because he has a severe form of rapidly progressing cancer. Is there any truth to that? What have you heard about his health status? To tell you the truth, I don't have much to add to that at all. I don't know, uh, you know, what his health status is. I, I'm certain our intelligence services have some idea of, of, of what is going on with Mr. Putin, not only in terms of his health status, but uh, is there any erosion of the support that he has, that certainly he has enjoyed among those elites that are that are keeping him propped up? And I'm, I'm certain our intelligence agencies uh are watching that to see if there's any diminishment of that. But uh, in terms of his health, no, I, I don't have any, any anything to add to that. I mean, look, if Putin is going to be a problem as long as he is in as long as he is in power. Uh, even, even though he's having setbacks in Ukraine, he's not given up. He is very determined, and he's going to stick with his goals uh, in terms of grabbing as much territory as he can in Ukraine, and and truly still continue to eventually collapse that country uh, he, he's determined he's a thug he's a killer and he's everything in terms of being an international a pariah certainly and russia will eventually be a better place uh without him for sure it, it seems like there's mixed uh, things going on in the european community uh putin has put down his foot and says you got to pay me for my energy in rubles and the uh, European community uh, uh, countries have been doing so. The ruble is higher than ever before. Uh, our people are dealing, uh, the, um, you know, uh, with 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 Russia and Putin uh, about uh, buying uh, crude oil from Venezuela. We're dealing with it with through Russia and Putin to buy it from Iran. Uh, what the heck is going on? Are we fighting a war, or or is just uh, that we're the, the, the leaders of, uh, are are having an argument, and the and the poor sixteen year old soldiers are dying. Yeah, I mean, what what you're putting your finger on, John, is really something that's very important, and and that is how the Europeans through the years have become economically dependent on Russia, and it's usually it's largely but not exclusively in the energy sector, oil and gas, and and Russia was certainly doing that as a conscious thought on their part, knowing that if there was economic dependence, then that would give them influence. And it obviously has. 
while the Europeans have stepped up and they are providing arms and munitions and they have imposed sanctions on the Russians, as you're suggesting, John, there are also loopholes here uh, that are not, are not doing what they should be doing. And that is, is that, listen, the oil and gas business is still going on with the Russians, although the Europeans are trying to wean themselves off of it by the end of the end of the year. Uh, but they are they are paying them in rubles, which helps sustain the Russian currency, which is something Russia insisted on. And for the life of me, I don't know why we're doing that. I think we should be slamming the Russians as much as we can uh, economically, and the Europeans should be stepping up and be willing to accept some risk to their own population here economically to pull back from the oil and gas support to the Russians. Listen, every ruble, every equivalent dollar that the Europeans are providing to the Russians is going to fuel, is going to fuel the war in Ukraine and results in killing Ukrainian people. That is the direct result of, of that transaction that's taken place. And the sooner we stop it, the sooner we help end the war as well. I, I agree. General, let's go over to China right now. And, and and China is – I'm not sure they're allying themselves with Putin or they're just playing with Putin. Uh, I, I My belief is they're just playing with him. But there's, they're observing what's going on, uh, relationships in, in the world. And um, uh, give us your opinion of what the heck is going on in China. Well, first of all, China is – Despite the war in Ukraine and, and Russia's uh, thuggery and brutality uh, in invading Ukraine, uh, China really is the number one security threat facing the United States, obviously because of the strength of their economy and the strength of their military and, and also the strength of what President Xi has brought to the table in terms of his aggression and his ambitions. I mean, he is very different from China's predecessors who looked inward to try to improve China, and President Xi has done two major things, as far as I'm concerned, since uh, in the almost 10 years he's been in power. He has, he has increased the repression at home, and he has certainly increased the aggression abroad, and that makes him a threat to U.S. national interests and those of our allies, and he has the most rapid-growing military in the world, John, and, and he outguns us and outmans us right now um, in the Indo-Pacific region. And that is what has given many of us a lot of concern that we have to upgun the United States military in the area, as well as our allies, Japan, South Korea, uh, Australia, and India, and, and make certain that we're able to return to what we had in the past and what we enjoyed with the Soviet Union. And that is an effective deterrence. What, we don't want to go to war with China, but we want to make certain that they understand that we have the military capability to deal and stop their aggression if that is the path that they take in terms of military aggression. General, is our path to arm the Ukraine putting a strain on U.S. weapons uh, sources, stockpiles? Yes, it is. Uh, but the Biden bill uh, that was approved and signed by the president, the $40 uh, billion, also, while it's going to give more ammunition and arms to the Ukrainians, and 
humanitarian and economic assistance as well. It's also going to buy back some of those stockpiles that we need. Yeah, there, there's been a strain there on our own stockpiles. And I think, it was a, John, I think for our audience's sake, it's an acceptable risk that we're taking uh, to provide Ukraine with what is needed. And we, we've got our defense industry uh, gearing up now to be able to replenish our stockpiles as quickly as possible. Some will take but- some time, though. General Jack Keane, as much as my heart aches for the Ukrainian people, can we can we sustain this type of funding, 40 billion, this billion, that bill, billion, when we have a struggling economy ourselves, we have our own issues here on the ground? Uh, are, are we just kind of prolonging the inevitable? Well, I don't agree with that premise. Uh, listen, this, this administration and the previous one has spent trillions of dollars uh, in economic relief as a result of the pandemic. And a lot of that money, as we know, has been wasted. And some of that, a lot of that is surprisingly still hasn't even been spent. Um, at $40 billion uh, is a very small investment. Thinking what we're getting for the $40 billion, we're getting the fact that the Russian military right before our eyes is being destroyed on the battlefield by the Ukrainians, which would deny Putin from any near-term opportunity encroach on NATO countries and on national interest in, in, in Europe. So I think it's a small investment with a huge payoff. Okay. Well, uh, anything was well, Memorial Day weekend. We lost a lot of people. We lost people in Afghanistan and we ended up just giving it to the Chinese or uh, just about so. And Solomon Islands, the Chinese want to take it over, and we lost a lot of people there. Did you see in Afghanistan, General Keene, did you see as well that the female news presenters have to wear the hijab, that only their eyes can be seen? We put so much hard work into Afghanistan, so many, so much uh, sacrifice from Americans on, on their ground there. Does it disappoint you? Does it break your heart to see it all just fall apart? Oh, yeah. Well, it is heartbreaking and, and, and certainly frustrating. We had a 20-year ally there. Look, the war wasn't run perfectly. We, we had U.S. policy that kept changing. We, the priority was Iraq, not Afghanistan. Afghanistan was on a diet for the first eight years. And it wasn't until the, the surge was successful in Iraq that we were able to put some more troops in there. And then we never were never put the right amount in uh, President Obama. Uh, did not accept the recommendations of General Petraeus and General uh, McChrystal and gave them 25% less forces that they needed as a minimum uh, to be able to succeed. So there's huge policy issues that drove us to the point uh, where we finally wound up. But President Biden owns the decision to withdraw from Afghanistan unconditionally and disregard the advice of his military leaders and his own Central Intelligence Agency that told him if we pulled out the way we're doing and did not keep a modest force there, the likelihood is that the Taliban will take over and the al-Qaeda and ISIS will grow again to threaten the United States. And that is actually what is happening before our eyes, sadly to say. And to walk away from a 20-year ally uh, who we were fighting side by side, who was imperfect to be sure, and there were certainly challenges in that government. I'm not suggesting that they're not. But they were a fledgling democracy, and they were striving to move in that direction. And they certainly opened up incredible amounts of opportunity and rights 
uh, for women in that society in terms of the number of women that were educating and getting professional jobs as a result of it. All of that has now been taken away from them. Uh, and, and certainly it, it's going to be a I cry. impact. General, I cry and I have tears in my eyes when I think about the the sacrifices that we've made in Afghanistan and how we just – I don't want to use the words I want to use about the Washington people. I'm not even going to use the who, but everybody knows who I'm thinking about. And I'm just very, very sad. Yeah, well, you have a right to be, John. It, it, it's, a, it's a low point in American history. Uh, for sure, and, and something that will have serious reverberations uh, for for many, many, many years to come. And, and look at the inv- the invasions of our borders. Who is coming through those borders, and we don't even know. And and who is giving the orders to the to the border patrol? Who is giving those orders to just let the people flow in? Who is giving those orders? Well, I mean, they, there's a green light at the border. That's the fact. There's no red light. There's no yellow light. There's a green that, light. That's invasion. Every, everybody, everybody knows it, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's invasion, General. Is there any other word to describe it? We don't. We lose our sovereignty if you don't have a border. And my concern is a national security concern. Also, I mean, it's horrific in terms of human trafficking and drug drug trafficking that's going across that border. But also, as we know. Uh, in the last year, there were 42 who were on the terrorist watch list that that we secured, who we have in custody. That's not to speak of the others who were not in custody, who were never contacted. They were able to make it through uh, cleanly, and, and they represent a number of countries. So there's over 100-plus countries that are coming across the border in terms of other people's citizens. And not all of them, certainly, and then, have the best to the United States. And then, General, then they're taking these people and moving them to different cities, different states, and et cetera. I, I mean, uh, I, I, I don't want to say nothing more. It's Memorial Day. He's our president, and I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on that. Well, I understand your frustration. I think many Americans feel the same way, John, about that. About that. And, I mean, it, there's a huge deception and disingenuousness about the government in terms of what they're doing with the open borders and the pretense that they're creating as the, the, the Homeland Security Secretary continues to say that the border is closed and we do make contact with people coming across the border and we put them into our system and process them. That That's a terribly false statement. The border is absolutely open and anybody seeing the videos knows it is. And there's incentives for people to come across the border. And and when they said he puts them into their process, what he really means, he's releasing them into the country. And that, that kind of falsehood and disingenuous, the American people deserve a lot better than that. And I'm, I'm very, very sad on this Memorial Day, and I apologize, General. Uh, we got off the subject, but I guess we said words that had to be said in our country, and uh, and I think we all agree. And uh, God bless America. We need, you know, when we had breakfast on Saturday morning, I asked Father Alex to, to say a prayer before the breakfast. We had about 50 people at breakfast and because we do need a prayer right now because we do need God's help because I'm concerned for our country, General. Yeah, I totally agree with that, uh, John, and certainly your outreach there is that that's, that's, that's wonderful. 
Yes, it's a special Memorial Day is a special day. It's a, a sacred day as far as I'm concerned. We we have another day set aside for our veterans. We have another day set aside for our members in the armed forces. But this day set aside for people who gave up their life so that we could have a good life, and that what they that sacrifice deserves to be honored. I agree 100%, and thank you, General, for everything you do. And thank you, most of all, for speaking out on behalf of our our country, uh, our citizens. And God bless you, and God bless America. Great talking to you, John, and your audience. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.